from the Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of November 22, 2021. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB's newest chapter in the Bowling Green area, holds its social hour each Wednesday afternoon from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom. Join the call by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code 763-689-4411. The passcode is 25852. The next GLCB roundabout will be the day after Thanksgiving, November 26th. We'll have page turners that evening. Come share some good books you've read, either recently or sometime in the past. We'll also share some Thanksgiving trivia that evening. Join our Zoom call by dialing 669-900-6833 and entering the code 862-9889-6972. For a complete list of events sponsored by KCB and its chapters, Visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Follow the events link. ACB Families reminds you about our fall membership drive. When you join families for the first time or renew your membership for 2022, you'll be eligible for the holiday gift card drawing. Prizes are a $25 Visa card, two $50 Visa cards, and a $75 Minimal card. The drawing will take place on Sunday, December 5, at our next holiday shopping event. Join us for that call at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Zoom dial-in information is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. ACB Families dues are only $8 a year and you can pay them with your debit or credit card by calling 502-897-1472. The Council of Citizens with Low Vision International invites you to enter its 50-50 drawing just in time for the holidays. Tickets are $10 each and can be purchased online by visiting cclvi.info or by calling 502-749-4751. The winner will be drawn at the CCLVI game night on Monday, December 13, and you don't have to be present to win. All proceeds support the Sam Janinski Magnification Award. For more information about the award and how to apply, visit cclvi.info. The 48th Annual Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind is now history. The convention theme was Turn Your Radio On, and it was indeed very successful. Great speakers, lots of door prizes, our biggest auction ever, new members and new friends. A huge thanks to the entire ACB media team, to Michael McCarty and the Radio Storm, to Natalie Couch and Patty Cox for hosting on Zoom, to Paula Weiss for standing by to assist with voting if necessary, and to Samantha Hubbard for posting announcements to our constant contact email list. And thanks to everyone who attended the convention on Zoom and on ACB Media Channel 8, to the convention planning committee and to the presenters, exhibitors, and sponsors who made this convention a great success. 
KCB elected five new directors to its board at this convention. First, thanks to Joey Couch, Bill Wright, Cheryl Lott, and Jonathan McCarty for their service to KCB as directors for the last four years. Welcome to Patty Cox from Louisville, Debbie Green, Elizabethtown, Bill Roberts, Owensboro, Restoria Ross-Jackson, Louisville, and Ben Wright Henderson, the new KCB directors for the next two years. And welcome to KCB's newest chapter, the South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind in the Bowling Green area. They received their charter at the Thursday night keynote session of the convention, and their chapter representative is Teresa Eskew from Franklin, Kentucky. The convention was packed with informative sessions on many topics. On sound prints this week, you'll hear two of those sessions. First, on page two, Charlotte Glass from Envision America talks about medication safety for people with visual impairments. Learn more about the Script Talk prescription labeling system and how it can help you and your loved ones to ensure that you are taking your medications properly. Then on page three is a presentation from Brian Charlson of Watertown, Massachusetts. Brian is the former chair of ACB's Information Access Committee and past president of the Library Users of America. He shares his journey from unhealthy to healthy, from insulin dependent to losing about 90 pounds. His talk is entitled, A New Me, Reclaiming My Health with Talking Technology, Diet, and Exercise. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future shows. Give us a call at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. Envision America was an exhibitor at the KCB convention. Charlotte Glass discussed medication safety for people with vision impairments and how the Script Talk prescription labeling system can help you and your loved ones ensure that you are taking your medications properly. All right, thank you. I'll try and fit a whole bunch of stuff into 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I'm with Envision America, and we are the makers of the Script Talk Audible prescription labels. Um, we also, our software also allows pharmacies to create large print dual language and braille prescription labels. Um, so we're, we just kind of try and cover the gamut in that regard. Uh, we work very closely with our customers, um, both the pharmacies and the end users, which is you guys, um, to make sure that um, you can read your prescription labels and, um, you know, are getting them in a timely manner. Uh, so those are some of the, the key things um, that we do. Uh, when we're talking about medication safety um, in general, uh, <clears throat> obviously being able to read your prescription labels is the number one thing. Uh, because if you don't know what you have, you don't know how to take it. Um, but there's a couple other things that I want to touch on before I go in more to our labels is in general, you know, it's so important, uh, especially if you have multiple doctors that are prescribing medications for you, is to keep a list of all your medications, verify it, um, and most doctors do, but verify it um, 
at every appointment, what you're taking, make sure they know what over-the-counters and vitamins and stuff like that you're taking. Um, you know, we might think, oh, well, you know, taking a multivitamin is not that big of a deal, or I'm taking this herbal supplement or drinking this tea every day. But those things really do make a huge difference. And one example is I have a friend who has been taking omniprazole forever, and it just kind of stopped working because you really aren't supposed to take that all the time. And so then they talk to their doctor and they're like, I'm just going to stop taking it for a while. And then I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I was like, have you tried ginger tea? And so he's been drinking ginger tea every morning and every night. And it's really controlling his um, heartburn. So, you know, that was important for his doctor to know that he was going to try that instead of continuing on with this medication um, because he wouldn't want to take that drink the ginger tea every day and the medication at the same time because they're working against each other or they're doubling up the, the effect. Um, so it's really important to tell your doctors when you're taking those supplements or herbs or whatever so that they can adjust your meds accordingly. You know, they might still prescribe you something, but they would maybe adjust the dosage. Um, another thing that we commonly hear from people is, well, one doctor, you know, my heart doctor prescribed me this, and then my general practitioner just prescribed me that, and then my pharmacist luckily figured out that both these meds are doing the same thing, and I shouldn't be taking them twice. Um, so again, really important to be able to communicate with all your doctors about all your medications and your pharmacist, and luckily, you know, very often pharmacists will um, find these things. And when they ask you, like when you get a new medication, when they ask you, do you want any counseling on this? You know, if it's a new med, it might be a good idea to say yes. And that, that means that they will take the time to double check everything that you're taking and, and go over some of the, um, perhaps side effects or contraindications and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of times I know me, I'm like, well, no, the doctor told me what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, especially if you're adjusting meds a lot or taking multiple meds, it's a good idea to actually say yes to that offer for consultation. Um, so those are some medication safety things that uh, I just want to touch on at the beginning. Um, if you're using our Script Talk app, um, every time you scan a medication with a scriptability uh, label on it, um, it will save that information to a medication list, which you can then um, email to yourself or to your doctor or whatever, um, and have that list um, available um, both on your phone and, um, you know, in an exportable format like that. Um, so now I'm going to, after just saying those basic things, they're so critical. I want to talk a little bit about um, audible braille and large print prescription labels. Most of the time, large print and braille, it's pretty obvious what's going on there. Um, the large print labels, if you, pharmacies often can increase the font if you ask them to. Um, if they have our label, they also can print on multiple pages of a a little label that's affixed to your bottle. Um, 
And I don't, I'm just gonna start my video here real quick. If you do want large print, this is what our large print looks like. Um, it's a little booklet and um, they can print on every single page up to 26 font, I think it is. And then it just wraps around the bottle and you can just rubber band it on. So it, and it's very secure. Dave invented this little doohickey that secures it to the bottle. It's almost impossible to get it off. And so you're not gonna lose all those instructions and information. Um, so that's really great. And then our braille, it's, you can't really see it on here even if, um, because it's clear label overlay. So your regular legal label is still visible, but it's a clear braille overlay. Um, they can utilize all the real estate on the bottle um, sometimes they'll give you larger bottles if they want more real estate, or if they also offer script view, we've had people um, use the real estate on the, the large print label to add the Braille. So they had more room for more information. But for the most part with the R Braille, the pharmacist will simply put the name of the medication and um, a, a basic instruction on how to take it um, and not all the information um, so very commonly, they will put the, that basic Braille on there, but then still put a script talk label on so that you can have all the information. Um, the script talk label includes all the legal label information. So it's going to be like um, the name of the drug, um, how much to take, um, refills, quantity remaining, used by your doctor's name. Um, your the pharmacy refill number and phone number, and then any warnings. Um, it doesn't usually contain all the extended um, data sheets information, but we do have availability. The pharmacy can put on a phone number to call, and uh, I think it's a five-digit code that you type in on the phone, and it will read all the um, extended label information to you, like all the, um, the data sheets. Uh, if you're using the Script Talk app uh, on your phone, um, when you get to that spot, um, it will just give you a hyperlink to another web page that VoiceOver can read to you. So I'm just going to demo this really quick um, so you can hear what it sounds like. I'm going to do the um, app first because that's really what most people are using nowadays. I mean, we still offer the Script Talk device which um, we now have Script Talk 2, uh, which is a, it's just a little bit smaller than the original Script Talk, and it's available in 25 languages. So that's kind of cool. Um, so with the Script Talk app, you're, when you open it up, you're going to have two options. You're going to have a full scan or a quick scan. Now, um, I'm just gonna double tap on here. I don't have voiceover turned on, but it will still speak it out loud. Um, I'm gonna do the full scan so you can hear the whole thing. Once you tap on that, you're gonna hear clicking. The near field communication chip on your phone is usually up near your earpiece. So we just put the bottle up there. Patient name, John J. Smith. Medication, amoxicillin 250 mg capsule. Instructions. Take one capsule three times daily. Quantity, 30 capsules. Fill date, June 10th, 2021. 
Expiration date, June 10, 2022. Refills remaining, zero. Prescriber, DRBN Casey. Scriptability Pharmacy. Pharmacy phone 800-555-1212. Prescription number, 123456. Warning, important. Finish all this medication unless otherwise directed by prescriber. Warning, this medicine may be taken with or without food. Warning, may cause diarrhea during treatment. If it persists or becomes severe, tell your doctor or pharmacist. Warning, persistent diarrhea due to colitis may rarely occur weeks or months after using antibiotics. If this occurs, notify your doctor or pharmacist promptly. Okay. Um, and then like it has a more information. It didn't really read that. Um, but it's there. I think if you, if I had voiceover on you, your next swipe would go to that link. Um, so, and the nice thing too, is on the app, the pharmacy phone number becomes um, a selectable thing and you know, your phone can dial it from there. So that's always nice too. Um, and the app also, again, like it has the my meds list and it has a find a pharmacy. So you can just type in the zip code of where you're at and it'll tell you all the participating script talk pharmacies that are in your area. So great for taking it traveling or great if you just wanna get started with script talk, you can download the app and find out which pharmacies are near you and select one and have your prescriptions transferred there. Um, we are happy to help people find a participating pharmacy. You know, if you don't want to download the app, you can call us and we will go, you know, ask you some questions about um, what your preferences are. Um, if there isn't something already set up in your area, we can, you know, ask you some questions to see what you want set up. Um, we can work with independent pharmacies. We're working with most national um, chain pharmacies in one way or another. Um, for the chain pharmacies that we are not working with yet, uh, we do keep track, like we'll keep a customer's name and what pharmacy they have a preference for. And then if we ever do manage to convince that pharmacy to provide our solution, we call all those customers and we use that information. A lot of times they'll do pilot programs, you know, to begin and we'll use that information to determine where's the best location for a pilot program where we have multiple customers that are wanting to get started. So um, you can always do that as well. And, you know, give us your info. And that's especially for places like, uh, uh, like Kroger, where we've started working with them out in Oregon, where they passed a law about accessible prescription labels being required, um, but they really haven't expanded to other places. So we're definitely keeping track of, of those people and continually letting Kroger know, hey, now we have, you know, this many hundreds, thousands of people that want um, accessible prescription labels. Could you, you know, keep thinking about it? Let's work on expanding and so forth. So, because um, I, I know Kroger's pretty, I think around where you guys are at, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, but we do work with Albertsons chain, Walmart, Rite Aid. Um, who we're not working with right now is uh, CVS. Uh, CVS last year and this year started rolling out Spoken RX, which is a copycat of Script Talk. The real only difference is that 
the spoken Rx label is um, holds less data. So ours holds 10K data. I don't know how many how much theirs holds, but so basically they're just giving you not all the information on the label, but just like the name and the instructions and the refill, I think. So, um, and they require you to use the app. They just recently started offering a device similar to Script Talk, um, but I think you have to um, specially ask for that. Um, so that's Spoken RX. And then Walgreens is still currently is offering, offering um, the Talking Pill Reminder, which is um, a small device that goes on the lid of the medication and then you or the pharmacist can audio record information about the medication. And then it also has like a little reminder thing, like you can set it for like every eight hours or every four hours or 24 hours or whatever. Um, there are a few other options out there that some pharmacies are providing like Optophonic, um, which is another digital recording device. So instead of talking into it, it is a digital recording that the pharmacy programs, but it's a device that sticks on the bottle. So it's kind of a hybrid of both of those things. Um, and then the ever popular Talking RX, um, I think, which comes from magnifying aids or something like that. Some pharmacies are still using that. Um, the, the most important thing, though, is just being able to recognize uh, what's in your bottle and know exactly how you're supposed to take it um, and know that your pharmacist actually gave you what you were supposed to have. Um, you know, that is, they're, they are not um, omnipotent. <laughs> they make mistakes. And especially nowadays when they're giving out millions of vaccines and stuff like that, and they're so tired and overrun, um, mistakes are more likely to happen. So it's always good to be able to double check. Um, you know, just a few weeks ago, my my daughter's doctor sent a prescription and she's been taking more. So we were like, let's up it to the higher dosage. So she's just taking one pill instead of four, but then they upped the dosage, but then they still said take four. And the pharmacist is like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you follow these directions, she will be dead. So, you know, it was like, Luckily, she caught doctor's mistake, but you know, mistakes happen. So um, if if I hadn't been, a, you know, if she hadn't caught that mistake and I wasn't able to read the bottle, then we really could have been in a in a bad way. Or I would have been like, why the heck are these pills so huge? Um, but you don't always know because you know with generics and stuff like that they are changing up the sizes all the time you know based on which generic was cheaper to buy or whatever so um always good to know what's in your bottle page three brian charleston is from watertown massachusetts he's the former chair of the acb information access committee and past president of the library users of america brian shares his journey from healthy to unhealthy he tells us how he has lost 90 pounds and become a much healthier person. His talk is entitled, A New Me, Reclaiming My Health with Talking Technology, Diet, and Exercise. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much. I'm up here in, well, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, and we're having 
not as nice a day as we did yesterday. We had 70 degrees and it was delightful. Today, a little colder than that. Let's saw off about 25 degrees. So it's a bit different up here. Mm -hmm. But we're having a good time here in the Bay State and glad to have a voice here in the Kentucky Affiliate Convention. For me to explain my journey, I have to give you a little primer on who Brian Charlson is. I'm 65 years of age. At the age of 11, I was blinded by a household chemical accident. Didn't do any other damage than cost me my vision. I attended public school, then moved on to a community college, got my four-year degree in political science, married a person familiar to many ACB members, Kim Charlson, and the two of us have been married now for uh, nearly 43 years. Uh, I do not have any children, and my health has been an interesting road separate of the blindness. Uh, when I was originally blinded, I was that little skinny kid, uh, skinnier than, than probably was even healthy for me. Once I was blinded, I was required to be very sedentary for the first three or four years, and my weight nearly doubled during that time. A lack of exercise, certainly. Also a lack of understanding of what diet changes I should make in order to stay healthier. I was one of five children, so I ate what everybody else ate, and we ate together, and we ate what was put on our plate. I'm sure that sounds familiar to many of you. Over the course of my adulthood, I was relatively uh, healthy, uh, no secondary kinds of issues, until I reached about the age of 60. The age of 60, my weight had gone up. I'm six feet tall. And at my highest weight, I was 312 pounds. It's hard to imagine being physically active and still achieving that weight, but I did enjoy my groceries. Uh, and what exercise I got was unintentional. It was simply walking to and from places I needed to be, going up and down stairs when elevators and escalators weren't available, those kinds of things. So the weight creeped up on me over those years. Then when I was 60 years old, I was diagnosed as having type 2 diabetes. For those who don't know diabetes, it really comes in two types. Type 1, you were born with. Type 2, you um, get into that range when you have problems managing your blood sugar. And once you have diabetes, it's kind of like alcoholism in that you will always have a tendency toward that, no matter what else you do. You can help manage your blood sugar. You can help manage your weight. But the fact of the matter is that you need to be managing it rather than just going along with, with what is. Secondarily to those two issues, now I'm blind, now I'm a type 2 diabetic, back when I was 63, I developed a condition called vertigo. And it was the variation of that called um, non-positional, meaning they couldn't do a procedure to cause my vertigo to go away. And it would come upon me unexpectedly 
with a couple of triggers such as loud, chaotic noise. So a crowd applauding in a, a theater or a major event could result in me suddenly not being able to tell which end was up quite literally. This affected my ability to perform my work at a place called the Carroll Center for the Blind and Adult Rehabilitation Agency. And I was the director of the computer training program there. And it did force me into early retirement from my position. The vertigo stayed with me. The weight loss became something I couldn't ignore. And the diabetes had to be managed through all of that. So I decided as a serious conscious decision to prioritize my health above all my other interests and, and activities. So how did I start that particular journey? One is I utilized the technology that I had accumulated and utilized its capacity to provide me with information. The previous speaker spoke very eloquently about the importance of information. So how would I have information about me? I certainly could regularly go to the doctor. And in this day and age, that's not an inexpensive proposition for many of us. So going to the doctor wasn't something I was going to do on a weekly basis. It wasn't even something I was going to be able to do on a monthly basis. So waiting for the doctor to take my blood pressure waiting for the doctor to check my oxygen levels, to check my uh, pulse rate, those kinds of things was something I was comfortable with. So I began to acquire talking equipment that would do each of those things. I saw on the convention program that you either have or will be hearing from the fine people, Barry Schwer and Kay about the services and products from, uh, I believe it's called Guide Lights and Gadgets. And that's where I acquired my equipment, a talking blood pressure monitor. And I take my blood pressure once a day, uh, making sure that the medication I'm taking is properly affecting that. I also acquired a oximeter. That's that little clip thing they put on your finger to check your oxygen levels. And I check that from time to time, both on a daily basis, but also if I feel slightly not myself. Uh, and it not only does the oxygen level, but it also gives me my pulse rate. It takes oh, maybe one minute to do. Uh, literally sits in a little basket among other odds and ends next to the chair that I sit in in the living room and watching television. I also acquired a talking non-touch thermometer, one you point at your forehead and push a button, and it speaks for temperature. So I have one of those available. And again, when I'm feeling under the weather, I'll take my own temperature utilizing that. Those are all the devices that are strictly medical, perform one function. They do it very well. And I move on. Then there are the non-medical, I'll, I'll use that term in what they call air quotes, the non-medical, which is a talking bathroom scale. And I've given myself 
the responsibility of every time I am preparing to take a shower, when I'm down to my skin, I step on the scale. And even though I have taught myself not to be overly concerned about a pound or a half a pound one way or the other, it allows me to monitor the direction of my weight. If I'm going up three or four times in a row, I'm going to be paying more attention to what goes in my mouth and how much time I spend on my treadmill. If it goes up a pound and down a pound and down a pound, then up a pound, then I'm not quite so worried. So I don't get into panic mode as a result of that. But that talking scale is an important part of the technology that I utilize to maintain and or monitor my weight. The other thing I use to monitor my health is called a freelance Libra. This is a continuous glucose monitoring device. It's about the size of a 50 cent piece. Do you ever see those anymore? About the size of a 50 cent piece and maybe twice as thick. It has an adhesive back to it uh, and a tiny little fiber probe in the middle of that adhesive back. So when I put it against my skin, that little fiber slightly penetrates my skin. Now, not enough that I can feel it. More like uh, a whisker kind of thing going on there. And it sticks on there and it stays there waterproof for two weeks. It communicates with my iPhone to tell me what my blood sugar is over an average of any five minutes. So again, as long as my phone is with me, I can just pick up my phone, run the app, press it up against, uh, press is not quite the right word, put it up against that little disc on my arm and it will tell me what my blood sugar has averaged over the last five minutes. Now, not only does it tell me what it is currently, but it logs that information so that I can ask through the app a number of other questions. How many times has my blood sugar gotten too low over the course of the last week, two weeks, three weeks, month? That's very, very important because the immediate danger of diabetes is low blood sugar because you can pass out from that uh, and you can literally die from a long period of low blood sugar. It also can tell me how many times I've gone over my, well, into the area of actionable blood sugar. This is typically over 240 uh, on the scale that they use. 70 and below is too low, 240 is way high. So it tells me those two extremes. But what I listen to the most in that report is how, what, how many times or how percentage-wise I'm doing it staying in my sweet spot. And that's something I can establish with my doctor and adjust the application to indicate. In my case, it's between 70 and 180. Now, there's times it peaks over 180 and times it peaks below 70. But going over 180 is one of those times when maybe it's three, two to three hours after you have dinner 
and your blood sugar spikes a little bit. Now comes the uh, issue of exercise. How do I get my exercise? Well, I do it in two different ways. One is, again, under that same chair in the living room, I have a couple of three-pound hand barbells. So while watching television, uh, listening to music, for that matter, having a conversation with family, I'll pull out those barbells and I'll just do a few reps, uh, raising my right hand, lowering it, raising my left hand, lowering it, and this is over my head, and doing reps of 60 to 100 reps like that. Then stop, take a couple of breaths, and then do the same thing, putting my hands back and forth forward away with me as, as if I'm punching a punching bag. So I'll do a series of those kinds of upper body exercises while I'm doing something else. Put those away. Each morning before the family is up and going, now that I'm retired, uh, I can get up whenever I want to and not worry about getting ready for work. Uh, I'll go out to my treadmill. Uh, I leave it on but suspended all the time so I know how fast I'm going. I have out there in an outlet right next to my treadmill, an echo device. So I can tell it to set an alarm for a certain period of time, push the start button and walk for that period of time. I frequently listen to podcasts and I always listen to music because music gives you a rhythm to keep that walking going. I built up over the course of several weeks going from just five minutes on the treadmill to go into 30 minutes on the treadmill and then slowly increased the speed that I'm walking during that time. Because I have an old treadmill, it has buttons, but it doesn't talk. So one of the reasons that I keep it in that kind of hibernated, press the start button and it will start up, go to the speed I want it to go, is so that I can have some feeling about the distance I'm covering in the time that I set to do that. So again, Monday through Friday, I'm on the treadmill for 30 minutes at a speed that allows me to know that I'm walking at three miles an hour for those 30 minutes. Two or three times a day, out come my little barbells to do a little exercises there. One other condition that I've had and it reoccurred here recently is sciatica which comes as a result of a pinched nerve in your lower back. And uh, it got pretty bad here recently, so I had to go in for a cortisone shot. So I do not do any floor exercises at this point because it's likely to re-aggravate that before the inflammation all goes away and, and I'll feel better about doing that down to the floor and back again. All of what I've been saying uh, does not necessarily take into consideration medications and again, one of the reasons I so much appreciated the previous speaker is understanding the value of managing your medication. So now I tell you the bad side of the story. I am extremely frustrated with the medical system. I'm on the insurance policy 
that my wife has as a result of being an employee of the Perkins School for the Blind. It's a major insurance company. It's not a bad plan, a skimpy plan or anything like that. But transitioning from the previous insurance company to the current insurance company has created no end of difficulties for me. Managing the paperwork associated with it, having to change which pharmacy I'm using, having the new system be much more interested in whether or not they can come up with a generic to do something rather than name of the medication I'm used to hearing. Those kinds of things have made it almost a full-time job just to manage my health, something I was working not to have to do. I even went to the local Walgreens yesterday to pick up a prescription that I didn't want to wait to come through the mail. And they refused to use my FSA. That's where you can set aside money uh, annually to pay for medical related ideas or issues like picking up your meds. And they refused to accept the card. So the frustrations of maintaining the medicines that I utilize to manage my diabetes, to manage my blood pressure, those kinds of things has been quite frustrating. I am so pleased that all of my medications are labeled for me in the format I'm the most comfortable with, that is Braille. But the frustrations of dealing with the bureaucracy that all users of the system feel from time to time has brought me to a bit of a low right now. So if I seem a little prickly about the subject, I hope you'll understand. And I hope that you don't go through the same situation uh, that I'm currently going through. The last thing I wanted to mention in my little diatribe was it's all fine and good to talk about technologies that will help you. It's all fine and good to say, eat less, exercise more. But the fact of the matter is what will affect your health is stopping bad habits and starting good ones. It's all about habits. You may have a habit of having popcorn when watching a movie three or four times a week. Is that a good habit or a bad habit? Probably not a good one. Popcorn once a week? I'm cool with that. I'm not an all or nothing at all kind of person. But doing something simply out of habit when the result of that habit is poor health, is something to work on. I have family members who are smokers. I have family members who are drinkers. I have family members who, and I'm not talking about my immediate family here, I'm talking about my extended family, who um, use recreational drugs. And you can say they are all adults and they all can choose what they're doing, but they also have to expect that there's going to be a cost to those bad habits. So how did I change my bad habits? Because Lord knows I had them, and I still have them. And that is through a little concept called Atomic Habits. There's a book out there. It's all about changing you through making small changes. So the first small change I made was I got up earlier in the morning. By getting up early in the morning, I had time to go on the treadmill without interfering with the, what the rest of my family was doing. Second thing I did was I said to myself, no more eating after 9 p.m. 
no more eating after 9 p.m. Because your body deals with all those calories and sugars, et cetera, et cetera, differently when you are going to bed with something on your stomach. So I do not eat after 9 p.m. So changing how you do some of those kinds of things. Stop bad habits. Start good ones. Atomic habits. There's a book on that. Um, I've used it to do a number of other things in my life as well. Just the general principle. Make 1% improvement today. Make another 1% tomorrow. There's that old story about which would you rather have 10 pounds of rice or one grain of rice on and double that grain of rice on each square on a chessboard? You will find that if you put twice as many grains on the next square as on the previous square, you will need a truck to haul away the rice that you will have accumulated, not a 10 pound bag. So make those 1% changes in your life that will improve your health. Choose not to perpetuate bad habits. Don't try to change them all today. One. Focus on that one for a couple of weeks. Statistics suggest that any habit can be developed or broken if you do it for 21 days or more. Is your health worth 21 days of doing this little different thing? I think mine was, and I think yours is. So again, do atomic habits, erasing bad health habits and adding good health habits. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope this was the kind of talk you were hoping from a person like me. I can tell you that the result of my good habits is my blood sugars fully under control. I went from using insulin on a daily basis to only oral meds. I went from 312 pounds to 222 pounds or a 90 pound weight loss over the course of two years. So that's my creds and, and I'm not where I want to be. And I speak with you folks at the next ACB convention, you will hear me talking about achieving my goal weight of 199. Thank you much for your attention. Brian, thank you so much. Go ahead. Amanda, you can unmute. So Brian, thank you for uh, all of that information. I had a quick question for you. I have an issue with uh, anxiety, a couple of life events. So I was wondering, what do you recommend for mindfulness? Like, do you have any tips on how to unwind or calm, calm your body down. Do you do yoga or meditation? I do kind of my personal meditation. Uh, it's nothing formal. Uh, I didn't take any classes or those kinds of things, but I've made a couple of other changes in my life. One is I go to bed at 11 p.m., not midnight because it's a great show, uh, 11 p.m., and I take no electronics with me to bed. I am not listening to a book. I'm allowing my body to rest, relax, calm down from my day's activities. Mm -hmm. It takes some doing, I will tell you. It, 
I didn't sleep well for that first month of doing that. But I went from a person who was on a CPAP machine to a person who doesn't need CPAP. I went from a person who couldn't sleep for more than three hours at a time to sleeping a good, solid seven hours a night. So I believe in giving your mind a true rest. The other part of that is when um, life's conflicts happen, and they do, and I've been on anxiety meds in the past, um, mostly issues of becoming depressed and, and self-doubt, those kind of things. That should sound familiar to all of us at different times. But it get, it's occasionally, it gets down to a point where you need, you don't need somebody to rescue you. You just need to have a life preserver to keep you afloat for a little while till things smooth out a bit for you. So for me, managing my anxieties is one, acknowledge you're going to have them. They're never going to go away. They'll come back because life is like that. Uh, and it's not a failure of yours that that's going on. It's just the rough and tumble of life. And uh, I've learned to have a mentally comfortable place to go. So I'll get quiet, sit in my chair, or go, as we call it in my household, go horizontal for a little while. Uh, in a quiet place, and um, I work on my, what some people call a dream palace. Get my mind to think about something that isn't bothering me. So I love hearing about people who um, are doing homesteading. So I go and I get quiet and I talk about my, talk to myself about my imaginary homestead. Again, it's not a real something. It's not an aspiration of mine at this point, but it's a comfortable place. And I take my mind there as a way to give it rest. Carla, you can unmute. Okay. I, I just wanted to make a quick comment. Brian, I wanted to go back to your comment about your change in your healthcare policy and the issue with the insurance companies, um, and especially where they want to give you uh, the... Uh, the generic drug as opposed to the name brand drug and they don't want to pay for that. Um, I just, my comment is that sometimes I think that people, not just blind people, but everyone almost take what the insurance company says as gospel. And if they say something, then we shall not question. And um, I, I, I don't know how you view this or if you have done battle with the insurance companies, but um, I, I have sometimes called up and, you know, said, we need this particular, you know, prescription, or we need this paid for. And if you don't take no for an answer and go through several people, uh, you sometimes can get a yes. Do you find that people tend not to speak, uh, want to, want to go take on the insurance company? Absolutely true. Uh, Carla, if you saw me at Walgreens yesterday, you would not have recognized me. I was so frustrated. And I had had three consecutive days of frustration. I said I used the freelance Libre. Well, when they changed uh, insurers, they forced me to go to a different 
mail order house for my medications and they determined that I shouldn't be using this device. I should be using its competitor's device. I think it's called something like the, uh, I call it DEFCOM, but it isn't, it just sounds a bit like that. Um, and I said, no, I am so comfortable with this that it has changed my life as a diabetic. Why should I have to change the monitoring system? Well, we recommend this one. I said, fine, recommend all you want, but I pay an insurance premium and I expect to be able to use the thing that works for me. The other device you attach to your stomach. This is on my arm. I don't know about you, but I feel more comfortable with something up on my arm that I can touch and feel easily. It's not going to get involved in my waistband and any of those kinds of things. So I said, no, I'm not going to put up with that. And I am now in the third month of a battle over this with my insurance company. And I'm not giving up. Now, mind you, in the interim, I'm paying full price for this because they will not. They do not currently believe that I need this as opposed to that. So I engage others to join the battle with me. My doctor is battling. My diabetes educator is battling. Um, and again, I should have the choice of which of two devices work best for me since they perform the same thing. But absolutely. This is one of the problems we have as blind people, by the way. Yes, I'm sure that the same thing is true for those who have sight as those who are blind in battling the system. But we are so used to accommodating others as a result of our disability that when we've set up systems like um, a way that you can complain if a particular television show is not audio described, um, you will find people who are deaf are much more likely to register complaints through the system about the lack of captioning than blind people are about the lack of audio description. It's not that one's better or worse than the other, it's just we're so used to finding a way to do it or, or live without it. And we need to be very careful that our health is not something we ought to be compromising on. We ought to, you know, take, take to the streets, so to speak, on our own behalf, but also knowing that by doing that on our own behalf, we're changing the system around us to make it more accessible. I have medications upstairs, former ones, with all the different methodologies for labeling medication. Now, that didn't happen because somebody did it for me. I actively went and chose each one of these things at a different pharmacy to make sure that my pharmacies were doing it right. You will see an announcement from CVS over the course of the next two weeks that show the latest accomplishment in that regard. Um, but you got you to invest this one thing that I very consider my most precious possession, and that's time. It has to matter enough to you to take the time and advocating for better accessibility to the medical system for you and for those who follow you is time well spent, I think. All right, I, I see no more hands. Do you, Patty? I don't see any more. No, they took their hand down. 
So thank you all for letting me come and, and do my little tirade. I hope that everybody takes a 1% change in their lives and move that forward, whether it has to do with your health or something else that matters to you. Again, big things are accomplished with small steps. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody. And double check against what your doctor said you were going to get. Thank you so much for your your information.